Greetings, precious saints. Uh, my name is William Hinn. I am Pastor Benny Hinn's brother. And he asked me if I would come and share with you some biblical principles regarding finances. And I told me it would be my honor to do that. Um, not only for you people to stand with him in this wonderful calling God has given him, but for even a higher and greater purpose, and that is for us to be as citizens of the kingdom, understand what it is that God has given us in our stewardship, but the things that he's given us. The first thing we have to understand is that we are kingdom citizens. As kingdom citizens, we're not enslaved by the conditions of this world. Jesus said that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. So the first thing we have to know as children of God is he is owner of all things, possessor of all things, and we are but his stewards. We are the managers of what God has given us. If we come from the mentality that we are always in need position, we're always looking for God to help us, then we will, we will always be dependent on, on his mercy to sustain us. But the reality is, God gave us dominion. When God created man, he gave him dominion over all the work of his hands. David was laying as a young boy looking up into the heavens in the book of Psalms, and he says, when I consider the heavens and all the work of your hands, what is man that you're so mindful of him, or the son of man, that you have visited him you crowned him with glory and honor, and you put him as a ruler of all the work of your hands. So when we realize that in Christ Jesus, we for us that have received him, have regained our position as the people of dominion, which means as kings and priests in this earth, God does not look to the economy of this world, the governments of this world. He doesn't look for the systems of this world. He looks for his citizens. He looks for those that are kings and priests in the earth that represent him. Because the word of God says we are kings and priests unto God, which means that God does not go to Washington to see how to solve the problems. God comes to his people. The judgment of God begins in the house of God. And God says, what do you say? So we always have to go back to the words of Jesus. You know, one of the saddest statements in all the Bible is God saying, my people, book of Hosea, my people are destroyed, it's a hard word, destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so it's the, the biggest challenge we face is not what the devil is doing. It's just not being ignorant of what God said to do. So Jesus comes in Matthew 6, and I'm not going to read the chapter, but you read it on your own time. And he says to his followers, lay not for yourselves treasures upon the earth where, where does Moth and corruption come and eat, destroy the, the treasure. It deteriorates. But then he says in verse 20, But lay for yourselves up treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust does corrupt. This is Matthew 6, where thieves don't break in and steal. Well, the reality is, when you think about, don't lay any for treasures for yourself in the earth, but lay treasures in heaven. Well, heaven doesn't have a deposit box. He's using a metaphor to describe where you're going to make your deposit in heavenly things. And then he continues onward saying, the light of the body is the eye. Now remember, he's talking about finances. 
the, the whole thought. Well, anytime, by the way, you read scripture, you gotta, you got to take the thought. What is the thought? From when did thought begin? When does the thought end? And so it's not just a chapter and verses, but he continues with, with the thought, and, and he said, listen to them. I'm going to read it to you. Verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, thine eye be single, which is, which is clear, then the whole body is full of light. But if thine eye be evil, then your whole body is full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in these become darkness, how great is that darkness? And he continues, he's still talking about money. For no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, money. Therefore I say to you, Jesus is talking, take no thought, imagine, take no thought for your life. What you eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Isn't, God, isn't life much more than food? The body's much more than clothes. You go down to the chapter, and he, set, and he nails it in verse 33. But seek first, and before that, by the way, he says to the people, don't be like the, the, the idol worshipers, the heathens, the Gentiles. The Gentiles' system was, they're worried about what they're going to eat. They're worried about what you're going to wear. And he said, don't be like them. Look what God does, even taking care of the birds. And he continues, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which means being aligned with what is right, that which is aligned with the righteousness, the rightness of God, and everything that the world needs will be added. He's not going to provide it. It's going to be an addition to all that you need. So therefore, it becomes something that God begins to multiply. It shall be added on to you. And so Jesus here has given them the secret. So don't worry about tomorrow, he said. Now, when you look at the whole thought, Jesus saying, don't live for yourself treasures in this world where there is stealing and corruption. And we all know that, you know, when you take your money out of your pocket, you don't know how many hands it's been into. Um, if your eye is single, which means clear, your whole body is full of light. So he equates the singleness of eye to how money is managed. What he's describing here, it was a saying and also has a meaning in the original language. Uh, if I could describe it like this. If you are a giver, if your eye be single is describing, if you are liberal with your money, if you're generous with your money, your, your whole body is filled with light. On the other hand, if you're stingy, if you worry, if you hang on to your money, if you're possessive because you're insecure about the future, then your body's full of darkness. So he is equating clarity, light, and darkness with how prosperous or how generous we are versus how stingy we are. So here you see people that are stingy, uh, and I'm not suggesting, you know, of course, I'm not speaking to any of you, but the people that are stingy, he's describing they actually don't have light. Revelation, in other words comes from a heart that is of a giving spirit. It's not the money. It's the spirit. It's not how much. It's the condition of the heart he's after. Because he tells us earlier, wherever your heart is. So if you want to find out where people's heart is, what do they invest in? And so if we go to God and we say, you know, we're going to invest in your kingdom because we understand if we invest in your kingdom, you're going to do this and this and that for us. And that's true. But you know, there is a limit to that. 
because now you're kind of uh, wheeling and dealing with it. David said in the book of Chronicles, he said, what can I give you, God, that you didn't give me first? Everything we have, you've given us. So we think about the things that money cannot buy, for example, things that are intangible, goodness, righteousness, peace, joy, things you can't buy. You can't go put a, de a deposit in a bank and get a return on peace. Multi-billionaires have jumped off their own buildings seeking peace and they couldn't find it. Jesus comes and gives us what money cannot purchase. So when we come as the people of God and we come to God and we say, our, our trust is in you, our future is in you, our finances are in you, and we want to invest in what you're doing, and we give towards a ministry that God is using, like Benny Hinn Ministries, then, and you know, I, I realize uh, there are people out there that, that think, well, many preachers are about money. Let me, let me just say this to you. I've known my brother my whole life. And I speak this just from my personal experience. I have, um, I, I remember years ago, I would come home from work and we were sharing the same room at the time. And we were, we were kids, we were teenagers. And he had just had an encounter with Jesus. And he gave his life to the Lord. And I was still of the religious Greek Orthodox background. And I would come home late from work and I would want to get in my room so I could get cleaned up and get in bed for to go to work the next morning and the door's locked. And there was a little gap under the door. I'll never forget it. There's a little gap under the door. And I would kind of look under the gap. I'd just kneel down and I'd see my brother's knees by his bed. And I'd hear this noise, like crying. I said, what's he crying about? What's he doing in there? But I, hours to where I couldn't get in my room because the door's locked. And he would say, please, will he come back later? And I felt awkward. So I would go downstairs and sleep on the couch. And God knows how many hours he'd be up there praying and praying. And this went on for years. So pe people see the Benny Hinn on television. They don't realize the, the years, the price, the devotion, the dedication that he poured into the ministry God has given him. And so... It's my honor to tell you, you bless this ministry and God will do things for you like he's done for me. I'm a, I'm a walking witness. I, I've, I've always prayed, continue to pray that the Lord would keep him, keep him doing what God's called him to do. I look back over the last decade and so many wonderful men and women of God that have crossed over and moved on and are in the presence of God. And yet my brother is still at his age, um, going to the nations and teaching them about Jesus. And, and if I could say, you know, he didn't ask me to say any of this. Uh, I hear more of the word of God from him today. I see God using, in my, in my opinion, in greater ways than he has in the past. God always does greater in the latter years than the former. And that's what I'm watching God do with him. And I just have a desire to see him fulfill all that God's called him to do. And I've never known anyone more driven. I've learned a lot watching him because he just has this, this devotion, this dedication for the calling of God. This is all Benny's about. I mean, if you know him like I know him, he, this is, there's no other life. He doesn't use this to have a life. This is his life. And, and at times of heights and lows, he hasn't changed 
as his devotion continues towards the work of the kingdom. And so I want to tell you that before I close, I want to encourage you, anything you heave up to the kingdom of God, anything you heave up, takes its value. You, you take $5, $10, $100, and it's, it's, it's worth in today's economy that amount. And obviously, in today's world, it's not worth a whole lot. If you want money that we use, the treasure Jesus is speaking of, to reach its highest value, its highest economy, what makes that currency most valuable, not inflated with our systems of the world and inflations, but what it could be, we raise it to God. And now what happens to that money is it, it converts from being money that you use to buy and sell to the grocery store and gas, and it changes to become an offering. When money changes from being currency to becoming an offering, it changes value. And now in the sight of God, it becomes the value of the life, the value of the heart. Not the value of the dollar, but the value of the person giving it. And God repays as if you gave him everything you got. So God comes to the children of Israel and he tells them, when you give me the first, I'll receive it as the whole. And I'm not going to give you a return as if you just gave me the first. I'm going to give you a return as if though you gave me everything. This is Numbers 18. And God begins to respond in everything, in every way. But you have to just know, you have to trust. This is how God operates. And we stop being ruled by money. We can't serve God and serve mammon. You can't follow God and follow money. And money has a way of becoming a God. I've heard, I've heard it said, money makes a great employee, not an employer. Money does not, you shouldn't have money where you, you're ruled by it and you work for it. Money works for you. And once we begin to put it first towards the kingdom, in whatever it is you do, I want to just say this real quick in closing, whatever it is you do, I don't care if you, if you wash dishes at a restaurant, if you have a landscaping job, I'm, and I don't mean those to be in anything belittling, or, you know, you're, you're a surgeon, whatever it is you do for a living, when money is put towards the kingdom, the value is so raised, now what you're saying to God is, when I cut grass, if that's what you do, I'm doing it for, you, for the kingdom. If I'm a doctor, I'm doing it for the kingdom. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm a mom at home, I'm doing it for the kingdom. In whatever it is that you do for a living, how you earn your money, it partners the kingdom of God with it. And from that point forward, now God has a way of favoring it and causing it to do what the amount of money could not possibly do. That's why the widow woman's meal, her last meal, lasted a year and sustained her and her family. And that's what we see God do. He has a way of taking that little basket with the loaves and the fish and feeding multitude. So I want to encourage you that you set aside the best possible gift for the work of the kingdom. That you stand with my brother. You stand with the calling of God on his life. Uh, I don't do this for money. If I was going to do this for money, I would have remained in the business world where I was and I was, I was doing fine. But the reality is I worked for money and money was the God. And when we would sit together uh, in our offices and in my business world, it's how to make more money. So I don't do this for money. God has been good to us. 
But we do this to serve the living God. And it, it's, to be in this world, it takes money. Because we can't walk into the grocery store and give them a prophecy and they let us walk through the groceries. You've got to pay for it. The difference is, we as the children of God walk in a different economy. And so I want to encourage you that we as the people of God come with the understanding, God first. God first. You know, I often tell people, if all you have is an apple, let God have the first bite. God first. And when that happens, God partners with you. So I want to encourage you right now, in Jesus' name. Get your offerings ready. Be ready to give to this wonderful ministry. And as you have it, you just bring it to the Lord as an honor. And you say to God, it is my honor, it is my privilege to bless your work and to bless your kingdom. So Father, now in Jesus' name, as your people bring their gifts, their offerings, as they bring their worship, their gratitude unto your kingdom. Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would cause them to experience what prosperity truly is. Not only in material things, not only in the financial arenas, but Lord, that you'd cause them to prosper as their soul prospers in their minds, in their hearts, in their families, Lord, in their bodies, that they will prosper in their finances. They'll prosper with visions and dreams and understanding that they will grow in you, Lord God, that you'd cause them to prosper in the advancing of your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name, and all the people of God said, Amen. Please do your best. The Lord bless you as you stand with his word. Amen.